Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, a Jewish believer in Jesus the Messiah, or in Hebrew, Yeshua HaMashiach. I'm the president of Chosen People Ministries, and I'm here with Robert Walter, my friend and a fellow servant among the Jewish people, a dear colleague, and today on The Chosen People, we're here to share some of the great promises in the Old Testament that pointed to the Messiah. That's right, Mitch. There are really so many prophecies in the Hebrew Bible that point us to the Messiah. And on this episode, we are going to be taking a look at 10 significant promises that will show us who the Messiah is and why he came. Looking forward to it, Bobby. Let's get started. I'm glad to have you back. And if you remember, as I said at the beginning, that the Hebrew word Messiah is Mashiach, and it means the anointed one. It's similar to the Greek word Christos, which is translated Christ. I remember growing up in a Jewish home, I always thought that Christ was Jesus' last name. (laughs) But actually, it's not. It's his title. It means anointed one, just like the kings and the priests and the prophets were all anointed offices within Israel. He wraps all of those offices up into one person. Jews and Christians have very different views of the coming of the Messiah. The Jewish people expect a king or a reigning Messiah, Christians, of course, expect two comings, a suffering, and then reigning Messiah. And so why don't we start from the beginning, really, where we learn that the Messiah is to be Jewish, Bobby. That's right, Mitch. And uh, really, if we're going to look in the beginning, we have to look in Genesis. And one of the earliest promises about the Jewishness of the Messiah goes all the way back to Abraham and God's promises to Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Uh, where he called Abram out. He said, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And here is really the, uh, the first messianic promise to Abraham. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And ultimately, that blessing to the entire world comes through the Messiah. So certainly the Messiah was to be Jewish because he would be a descendant of Abraham and then, of course, Isaac and Jacob. Exactly. But the next prophecy we're looking at is Genesis 49.10, because there we learn the tribe of the Messiah. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh comes, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. And deeply embedded within rabbinic uh, theology and tradition is an understanding that the Messiah would not be from any other tribe but Judah. And so in this deathbed prophecy of the patriarch Jacob, we learn that the Messiah will come from the tribe of Judah. And then as we continue to to follow the progression and the unfolding of the promise of the Messiah in the Old Testament, we see that he would also be from a specific family. So not just the nation of Israel and the tribe of Judah, but now specifically from the family from the house of David. So in 2 Samuel 7, verses 12 through 13, God makes this covenant promise to David that in the end he would raise up a descendant of David and that through this descendant of David, uh, he would have an eternal throne, uh, rule over an eternal kingdom, and that ultimately God would achieve his purposes through this descendant of David. And, and honestly, when we move forward, uh, we see that this expectation of this 
Davidic Messiah really begins to, to ramp up leading up to the New Testament. Well, the story really is consistent, isn't it, Bobby? It absolutely is. It would be is. no mistaking who the Messiah was who fulfilled these qualifications. So we know he would be a descendant of Abraham from the tribe of Judah, from the house of David. But then the Bible starts filling in, almost in a multidimensional way, more about the character and the person of this Messiah. So linked with the fact that he would reign on the eternal uh, throne of David in Isaiah chapter 9, 7, we read in chapter 9, verse 6 of the great prophet Isaiah, that a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called, because a name in the Old Testament really reflected the character of the person. Right. His name would be Pelioetz, Wonderful Counselor, a Mighty God, Eternal Father, Aviad, or the Father of Eternity, and the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. And on the throne of his forefather David, he will reign forever. So we know that the Messiah would actually be God in the flesh. That's right. It's incredible. And, you know, when we continue reading the Old Testament, we see that there are other, like, offices in Israel that were templates for what the Messiah would do and who he would be. And obviously he would be a king like we've just looked at, and he would be a divine king, but also he would be a prophet. So in Deuteronomy 18, 15 through 22, we have this promise where God said to Moses that he would raise up a prophet like him, a prophet like Moses, to rule and lead the people of Israel. So that this prophet like Moses, this Messiah, would come and teach with Sinai-level authority, and the people were to obey him. Yeah, Bobby, that was that's so important because if Jewish people are going to believe in Jesus— they need to know that it's Jewishly permissible. And if Moses actually talked about the Messiah, he's like the main the main guy, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean Isaiah is important, Jeremiah is important, but Moses, right. you know, he's 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 it. And so if Moses says that the Messiah would be a prophet, then of course uh, that carries a lot of authority. And when Jesus came, gave the Sermon on the Mount yep. and gave uh, prophecies in Matthew 24 and so many other places, we know that Jesus really fit the bill as a prophet. You know, alongside that, uh, we read in Matthew chapter 2, where Matthew actually quotes from Isaiah 7:14, demonstrating that Jesus fulfills one more aspect of what it meant to be the Messiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign, behold, a virgin, Alma, the virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Matthew picks up on that in chapter 2 and, and declares that prophecy fulfilled by Jesus. That's right. And since we're talking about the birth of the Messiah, it's also important to point out that his birthplace, Bethlehem, or Bethlehem, the house of bread, which is the, the city of David, really, historically, that would be the place, according to Micah 5, 2, where the Messiah would be born. Again, it's consistent. He is Jewish. He's from the tribe of Judah. He was born in Bethlehem. He's a son of David, and he's God in the flesh. It's just all the way through. Right. And then also in uh, Zechariah 9.9, he'd be sitting on the foal of a donkey. He could have come in on a white horse, but he came right. on in on the foal of a donkey to demonstrate his humility. The Messiah was not only a king, not only God in the flesh, but humble. That's right. And part of that humility of Yeshua that is on display comes very clearly in his suffering. 
uh, which mm-hmm. is also uh, prophesied in the Old Testament. So in Psalm 22, 16 through 18, we have a very clear description of the kind of suffering that the Messiah would go through as he was crucified. One of the greatest prophecies in the Old Testament is found in Isaiah 53, verses 5 through 6. Right. He was pierced through for our transgressions, which means rebellion, crushed for our iniquities, the Hebrew word avon, which means crookedness. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. That well-being is the word shalom. And by his scourging, we are healed. All of us like sheep have gone astray. That's me and you. We've turned to our own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. The greatest act of Jesus the Messiah was his death as an innocent Messiah, perfect Messiah, bearing our sins. He took our sins away, just as Isaiah promised. Amen. It's so beautiful, so beautiful. And Mitch, really, these are only 10 of the promises that we see in the Bible, but obviously there are many more. That's right, Bobby. The truth is the whole Bible is messianic in character. It points to the Savior. It points to redemption. And as we know, it points to Jesus. And not only the Jesus who would die and rise from the grave, but also the Jesus who will come again and reign as king and fulfill what God said would happen through the Abrahamic covenant, that through you and ultimately through him, Jesus, all the families of the earth are blessed. What a story. At an early age, Leopold Cohn had to learn to trust God. Orphaned when he was seven, Leopold and his sister grew up in an Orthodox Jewish community in Berenza, Hungary. And while his life had been mapped out for him, Leopold's quest to discover the Messiah soon got him into trouble. Making his way to the New World, Leopold landed in Brooklyn where he discovered a small church offering meetings for the Jews. The meetings were led by a young, fiery rabbi And soon, the two rabbis struck a friendship that would change Leopold's life forever. Discover more of the story when you request the book to an ancient people. We'll send it to you as our way of saying thanks for reaching out. Once again, it's called To an Ancient People, and you'll find it online at chosenpeople.com slash offer. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, So in just a minute, we are going to be hearing from a Jewish man who's a dear friend, a dear brother of mine, uh, who actually had to rethink his perceptions about Christianity and Christians in general after he heard the story of Corey Ten Boom. Jeff was really moved by the testimony of Corey Ten Boom. And, you know, as a Jewish believer, so was I. Corey Ten Boom came from a whole family of Dutch Christians who loved the Jewish people. And now we're going to hear from a Jewish brother, my friend Jeff and he's just a, a wonderful brother, a servant of the Lord's, right? And I know that you're going to rejoice in the way God changed his life. When I was about 10 or 11 years old, living in Chicago, uh, my father's parents, I was very close to them. They looked like two characters from the movie Fiddler on the Roof. And I would hang out at their house a lot. Well, especially when my grandma was making a good bowl of kreplach soup. I said to my grandpa, Grandpa, I see that you have received from letters from your cousins in Romania. Would you someday like to go back and hang out with your cousins? And he said, no. I said, Grandpa, why? He said, pogrom. 
the farmers who claimed to be Christians uh, in a city called Barlad, Romania, came looking for Jewish people to do them harm. And my grandpa and his sister and mother had to hide in the wine cellar. It was the, the 70s, it was the John Travolta era. I was invited to go on the spring trip for the University of Illinois baseball team. It was very early on that I was called into pitch and relief. After our game, my roommate asked me if I would go with him to hear Billy Graham speak that night. I'll take a rain check. Jewish kids from Chicago don't do this kind of thing. My senior year, my friend again told me a famous lady was going to come speak. I said, I'll tell you what, you tell me what this person has to say, I'll take a rain check. He said a lady named Corey Ten Boom and her family were hiding Jewish people in the walls of their home. They actually got caught by the Nazis and her whole family died not only because of their Christian faith, but because of their love for Israel and the Jewish people. Something inside of me said, whatever the real deal is, this must be it. And so when I was getting ready to pitch in my last game against the University of Michigan State, my friend Neil, after going for a run in the morning, comes into our apartment and blows my mind. Neil was Jewish. He said, Siegs, I need to tell you something. After I read the Hebrew scriptures and a careful examination of what it said, I've come to the conclusion the Messiah has already come. I said, Neil, are you out of your mind? I said, you believe in Jesus? And I said, Neil, you're not Jewish anymore. He said, no, I'm a completed Jew, Jeff. He said, Jeff, if you read it for yourself, I believe you'll come to the same conclusions. What a dilemma. If God really had a son, I'm going to have to see in my book, not their book. I held that Tanakh up to heaven and I prayed a prayer to God. I said, God, can I have a burning bush experience like Moses? One of the things that happened was I came to the book of Jeremiah Chapter 31, verse 31 through 34. Behold, the days come, says the Lord, when I will enact a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this new covenant, this new agreement is for Jewish people. There's something to what my friend Neil said. New covenant, New Testament. My mind was blown. I just fell on my knees in front of my bed as I was reading these verses and I just prayed a simple prayer. I said, dear God, please enter my heart and please forgive me for the sins of my life. I said, Lord, I'm new at this. I don't know exactly how to do this, but I said, I've longed for that personal relationship and I realize that Yeshua HaMashiach is my burning bush experience. I said, Dad, after a careful examination of the Hebrew scriptures, I've come to the conclusion that the promised Jewish Messiah has already been here. He said, Son, you are a traitor to your people. You are no longer my son. What you have done in my eyes is worse than Adolf Hitler. Now this went on for 26 years. 
until a day came when my younger brother decided to go to church and he gave his life to Yeshua. He said, could you do me a favor? Could you tell dad the decision I made? Now, in a 26-year time frame, my dad and I began to have a better relationship. And when I called my dad, I said, dad, I need to tell you something. After a careful examination of the Hebrew scriptures, my younger brother has also made the same decision that I made many years ago. My dad then began to cry. I received the shock of my life. It was only the second time in my life I ever heard him cry. The first time was when he hung the phone up on me, when he told me I wasn't his son anymore. And he began not only to cry, but he began to speak in the Hebrew language. He nanny God, he nanny, here I am, here I am. What would you have me to do? I said, Dad, do you want to give your life to Yeshua? He said, yes, I do. For the last two and a half years of his life, we were like best friends. And then the day came when my dad just went to heaven. On that day, when I announced to my father that I gave my life to Yeshua, and he said, you're not my son anymore, my life was turned upside down. But you see, God had a plan. And on that day, it may have seemed bleak, but the Lord saw the future. Chosen People Ministries exists to glorify God, to proclaim the gospel to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, and to develop resources and programs that will help us accomplish this task. We are dependent upon God's provision, and we'd love for you to prayerfully consider partnering with us. Your financial gifts will be channeled into helping us fulfill the call of Romans 1.16. If you'd like to participate in this worthwhile cause, go to chosenpeople.com slash radio and click on the donate button. Your gifts make an impact and with your help, we will continue proclaiming the good news to Jewish people around the world until Jesus Messiah returns. Thank you for your support. Once again, you'll find us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to The Chosen People. And really, wow, what, a, what an amazing testimony that was. I always love hearing Jeff's story. And it always stands out to me how it was messianic prophecy that really played a role in his coming to faith. And Mitch, there are so many other passages in the Old Testament that point to the promise and the coming of the Messiah. We have Daniel 7, we have Isaiah 49. But as we wrap up today's program, can you just share a bit from the scripture why Jesus came? Absolutely, Bobby. I'd love to share why Jesus came, but maybe it'd be better for Jesus to share why he came. And uh, we have a wonderful passage in the Gospels. If you remember, Yeshua was traveling down the road to the town of Emmaus, bumped into two disciples who were really depressed and despondent because the one who they hoped would be the Messiah and conquer the Romans and set up the throne of David had died and was buried in a tomb. Mm. They heard that he was missing, but they had no idea that he really had raised from the dead. And they definitely had no idea he was walking right next to them that's, because that's right. he, was, he was shrouded. And uh, so Jesus said to these two gentlemen, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ, Messiah, the anointed one, to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? 
Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. I mean, can you imagine taking a, an Old Testament Sunday school class with Jesus himself, you know? I think maybe we have some of that to look forward to, right? Oh, I look forward to it. It'll be great. Definitely. And I mean, this is arguably the best Bible study ever given. Man, oh man. And you can only imagine some of the passages that he covered. He definitely would have covered Isaiah 53 because he particularly points out suffering and glory, suffering and glory, which is a great prophetic theme in the Old Testament. Suffering refers to the first coming. Glory refers to the second coming. Right. And so Jesus presented this to these uh, two disciples. So I have a question for you, Bobby. You ready yes, for Yes, go a, ahead. A, all right. So you had no time to really prepare for this, okay? That's so I'm right. going to ask you this question. What is your favorite Old Testament prophecy of the Messiah? Ooh, ooh, that's, good a, one, that's right? a really good question. Okay. What is it? Uh, okay, so what comes to my mind first First off is really a, a prophecy. It's in Daniel 7 in verses like 9 through 14. And it's a messianic prophecy, but really it's one, again, that, that Jesus understood and played off of and referred to uh, in many ways. So in Daniel 7, Daniel has this vision of the throne room of God, and he sees multiple thrones set up. So it's more than just one. And seated right. on one of those thrones is the Ancient of Days, which is like God the Father. And then all of a sudden, this human being, this Son of Man, comes riding on the clouds of heaven, is presented before the Father, and then the Ancient of Days gives to the Son of Man dominion, glory, and uh, a spot sitting on the throne over the eternal kingdom. And then it gets better because people from every tribe, nation, and tongue, they come and they begin to serve and worship the Son of Man. Wow. So when Jesus uses that, that title, Son of Man, he's really communicating his deity, his divinity. So that's really always stood out to me. Right. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of people studying the book of Daniel, which is not easy to understand, admittedly. Right. The book, of, uh, the book teaches clearly that uh, Jesus, the Messiah, whoever you will be, act unknown at that time, would be the Son of Man. But in fact, the Son of Man would in actuality be the Son of God. Right. And so the Son of Man, Ezekiel uses that title as well, the Son of Man when pertains to the Messiah, also refers to his divinity. So clearly, the divinity of Jesus is clearly presented in the Old Testament. And we believe that. And all, all those who serve with Chosen People Ministries believe that. And that's an essential part of our message to the Jewish people, that he is both Messiah and God in the flesh. And that fulfills Messianic prophecy. Amen. If you would like to learn more about this program, about Chosen People Ministries, or if you're curious to learn more about the Jewish heritage and history of your faith, then let me encourage you to stop by and browse our website. There you'll find a variety of resources at your disposal, like our podcast, our television program, and a variety of printed materials, including articles and Hebrew word study aids. And there's even a resource page for your church. You'll find all of this and more when you go online to Chosen People Ministries at chosenpeople.com slash radio. Now to close us with the ironic blessing, here's Mitch once again. Yerech Adonai Panavalecha 
Vikunecha Yisadonai Panavalecha Vyasem lecha Shalom May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. The Chosen People is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries.